0: Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon skeptic, and now, Keller Williams' agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group's about networking and doing deals. Say your grandma's Rhea, folks, you know what I'm talking about. No smell of stale coffee, binge, and or disappointment. RDI is this podcast where also once a week we sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, you know I ask every week, man. It's free. Help me out. Share it. Give it a like. Maybe rate it on iTunes or Stitcher if you really like it. All that stuff really does help, and I really do appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me at renegadetroit.com. RenegadeDetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. Go to YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers if and when I ever get these fucking videos edited up there. And I promise that will happen sooner rather than later. Also, hit me up on Snapchat. I'll put this in the link. Jeremy Burgess. Legal disclaimer. It's the world we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact an attorney, a lawyer, and or other licensed professionals. We also recommend you be a fucking adult and don't sue me. All right, show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor's show quote. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. This week's quote, we'll see how, see how I did. We should not forget that it will be just as important to our descendants to be prosperous in their time as it is to us to be prosperous in our time. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, kind of bringing conservation in the back door, you know what I mean? We should not forget that it will be just as important to our descendants to be prosperous in their time as it is to us to be prosperous in our time. All right, let me introduce you to my guest, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Patayak. Pityak. Pityak. Shit. It's a tongue twister, I know. It's I keep talking. Man, one. man. Too many consonants. Sorry, Mark. It's okay. butchered it. We just practiced two minutes before and I still <laughs> screwed it up. Just goes to show you how much failure you can have in your life and still do okay. That's better than most. So that's yeah. fine. Thank you. Mark was born and raised in Metro Detroit. His father was a builder and he grew up on construction sites his entire life. And he knew he always wanted to be in construction someday. Growing up, he worked with a number of different tradespeople over summer breaks and he filled more dumpsters than he would like to admit. He graduated high school, went to Western Michigan, and got a degree in business management. Plans changed when he graduated during the Great Recession of 2008. New construction was at an all-time low, and he was forced to think of a way to use his construction background and shiny new business degree. He founded Green Home Energy in 2010. Since then, he has personally sold and completed over 400 home performance projects. Check them out. Go to greenmyhomenow.com, greenmyhomenow.com. Uh, by the way, these will all be on the show notes. You also go to facebook.com if you search green-home-energy, and I will put this in the link too. There's some other asshole that has green homes. That's right. You uh, know.
1: I'm currently in a there's a legal issue there too. Good, yeah. good.
0: I some hope you get that. have a
1: terrible online rating but they're, yeah they're no longer so
0: good 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 you can also hit him up at his office 1-855-GREEN-70 and uh do you want me to share your physical location sure all I mean, right yeah
1: we're typically at people's houses but
0: yeah probably. 7805 Cooley Lake Road Suite 500 West Bloomfield Michigan 48324 thanks Thank for coming out Mark my pleasure thanks for having me I've not seen you in a while since last time I saw you were you even engaged last time I saw you I can't remember. I don't know. You might have been. Maybe. All right, a little closer to the mic. But now I'm married. There we go. Almost now you're years. married. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And um, your business is obviously doing much better. Yeah, doing really well and kind of expanding into new areas. So it's always exciting. Well, this is something near and dear to my heart. But before we get too far into it, I suffered a few setbacks, obviously, that didn't allow me to complete my pan- my plans on the time frame I had. But I didn't know that you had a construction background. so. Your father was in new construction. Yeah, my so my my grandfather, all my entire family are Ukrainian immigrants.
1: So what immigrants do, you know, work hard. Uh, so my grandfather That's I love them. Yeah, and so my grandfather, my dad's dad was a carpenter. So as a kid, my dad grew up with him doing carpentry. Uh, but then my dad was uh he does custom home construction. So ever since I was a little kid, playing around on construction sites, being forced to do manual labor, <laughs> um, get to work, boy, exactly. No, you have no idea. So yeah. you know. Like I said, you know, filling dumpsters, working. With, I've worked with uh, electricians, plumbers, you know, just doing general construction type stuff ever since I was a little kid. You know, there's pictures of me on bulldozers as a four year old. So Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, who,
0: who is a four year old didn't want a bulldozer? bulldozer? I know. Yeah, I know. I want so, to run that through my evil arch nemesis <laughs> Jeremy Hediger's house. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, sir. <Yeah>. I win.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's that's just kind of that's that's been my background. So taking that. And then also, you know, having, uh, uh, I guess, um, my dad being an entrepreneur, starting his own business, having his own business. That's kind of just what I saw growing up. So I always knew that's something that I wanted to do also.
0: That's interesting. So at what point did you realize your dad was different than some of the other dads? Uh, uh, (laughs) probably (laughs) soon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, when we don't have to punch a clock when, you know, you can do, you you can do what you want to a certain extent, but then obviously as anybody that's self-employed or, you know, just kind of makes it happen for themselves. You're, well, you're not punching a clock. You're always on the clock. You're You're always on the the clock. Exactly. So, you know, you can see that and you, you know, your success is dependent on the amount of effort you put into it also. So I saw that obviously growing up as well. So for
0: those who don't know, so Metro Detroit car capital of the world And even more so 30 plus years ago, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, for somebody to have a business instead of going and working for the big three would would be really different compared to now. That's why I asked that. Right. right. Everybody worked for the big three back then. Right. Or a supplier or a subsidiary of some sort. Well, somebody had to build their homes too. Yeah. Did a lot of that. Yeah. That's true. How many homes? Do you know how many homes your grandfather and father built?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, it's up there. My dad's been a builder for like 40 years. So yeah, he's done a lot, a huge number. Is he still
0: active? Yeah. So we're
1: now working together also. So I got my builder's license and that's one of the areas that we're moving into is my business. Now green home energy is a retrofit business. So we go into an existing home. Someone's got cold floors, high bills, you know, whatever their problem is that we come in and audit it and then come up with some sort of solution. Um, now with now the Michigan energy code for, the you know, residential building code just got upgraded and a lot of people are just kind of, clueless when it comes to home performance a lot of builders that we work with because homeowners will call us in like essentially to consult and do the energy efficiency side of the construction that's smart Mm -hmm. so just kind of seeing what other builders are doing it's it's almost kind of shocking so
0: i love your pictures and by the way folks you should go click the link go to facebook and go to his page because he posts pictures like once or twice a week about some of the crazy shit i don't want to say stupid but it is fucking stupid things that builders do or leave out that just puts all your hot air, your AC literally right back outside.
1: Right. Yeah. We see all sorts of stuff. And it's, you know, so now, you know, when we're dealing with an existing home, we do the best we can with the existing structure without tearing it down. Cause there's just kind of cost benefit yeah. ratio where, yeah, we could make your home super efficient, but we're going to have to gut all the walls and a lot of people don't want to do that. So with new construction though, when you're building a home, you can do it perfectly and then you can make a home comfortable, efficient, more healthy, all those types of things. So that's kind of where we're, moving with that
0: yeah wasn't the last time i was speaking with you michigan still before they upgraded the code was basically still like on 50s
1: well well the code the code literally just just like in the last month took effect the new code so there's you know i've gone to a couple events where you know builders are coming into building departments and things like that and i mean it's it's a major step forward for what everyone's going to have to do as far as one of the things we measure is air leakage and we do this blower door test, this air tightness test. And that was never even part of the, the equation before. Now you have to hit a certain number on this blower door test to get a C of O for a home and you're done. So that's going to be a major issue for a lot of people because they're used to building leaky pieces of crap. Yeah. So yeah, but it, either way though, that's, that's kind of, that's one of the areas that we're heading is, you know, doing high performance new construction.
0: Shit, you're gonna do anything out in Rochester Hills area? Maybe it's. Uh, Where are you looking? You know,
1: we're, we're out, I'm out there quite a bit for work just because there's so much new construction there. Shit, I gotta talk to you, man. I might have, <laughs> have some deals for you, man. Well, it's that and it, on the retrofit side because we're you know again because the existing code code you know previously and even still now is kind of like a bare minimum that you want to adhere to. So just because you have a new home that was finished last year doesn't make it comfortable or efficient. In fact. If they built it to code, you're pretty much guaranteed that it's going to be uncomfortable and
0: inefficient. Yeah. Really, I promise that it's going to be all right. All right. So <laughs> e-
1: even on the retrofit side, we're up in that area, Lake Orion, uh, uh, Rochester Hills, or the Oakland Township. All those places where the suburban sprawl is just going nuts out there. Oh yeah, there's those, plenty of that. Yeah, those newer homes that are being built in about eight nine months were their prime targets for us. About. A year after they've gone through their first cold season, that's when the phone starts ringing from those people. Yeah, March.
0: I'm never doing that again. Yeah, my house before, is freezing for the cooling uh, bills get just as high. Yeah. So if you, if I mean, maybe it's a silly question. If you knew you're going to be in construction somehow, I mean, what? Why go to university? You went to uh, was it Western? Western. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... is that I, something like every immigrant family? My my kids going to go to <laughs> college. Well, my
1: my parents. I mean, my parents both went to college. I mean, it was just something that okay. I knew you know. I knew I wanted to be in construction, some form or fashion, but I didn't know exactly what. So I mean, my parents wanted me to have a college degree. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. Just, no, I, no, I get it, but not so uh, many
0: people in construction services have, have right. Degrees. So I mean,
1: but it gives me, you know, at the same time, when I walk into a house and I can talk to someone intelligently about, you know, home performance and just intelligently in general, as opposed to the next sales guy, you know, that's not.
0: It you is know, helpful. It g- yeah. It
1: gives you a leg up, but, and also obviously going, I mean, I went to a business school at Western, which kind of, you know, obviously when I graduated then I knew how to write a business plan, do you know, do these types of basic things that I wouldn't have known. Right. Yeah. Certainly. So, no, that, that's certainly helpful. Yeah. So, but it was, uh, it was, you know, I had fun in college. It was, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was great. Much to my parents' chagrin, you know. But uh,
0: what was the plan, though, before the Great Recession well, tanked everything from the highest number of starts to practically nothing, none? Yeah, to like negative. It.
1: Um, I mean, I was gonna originally. I think we were just gonna, you know, start working with my father right away. But you know, it. Um, it just at that time there wasn't enough work to do that, and I, it, you know, there was about a year or so gap between me graduating uh, to starting this business where I worked with another company. It was a, a material supplier and this guy was hoping to grow his business. He had a great business going and he had these state contracts actually for these dialysis clinics and something else. So he was gonna be busy for the foreseeable future. And it's a long story, but it didn't work out because he got injured. Of, it was a, uh, like a job related injury. I won't bore you with the details, but either way. So one of the things that we did in that company was home window replacements. So, in doing that, people always ask me about efficiency. Like, is this efficient? You know, is my house going to be more comfortable? Then they'd ask me for referrals for insulation or, you know, how, how do I know? How much is this going to save me? So it was like a common theme. Ah, so, start putting together the pieces. Right. So I was thinking like, what you know, at that point in time, the economy was so dead, all the tradespeople that we had been working with for, that I worked with as a kid, you know, my dad's worked with forever. Um, everybody was sitting in their ass doing nothing you know, everyone was starving for work at that point. So it's like, well, why don't we just kind of create a one-stop shop for energy efficiency, you know, as, as coming to a homeowner instead of them going, okay, well, I'll get a quote for the spray foam guy. I'll get a quote for this insulation. I'll get a quote for these windows. We can come in, do an analysis and just do everything for you. And that's, that's kind of where the idea started because we had all the people and skill at our disposal. So why not put the people to work at that point.
0: Oh, it's a great idea. Was there any panic when you came out and you're like, Oh, by the way, I have nothing to look forward to.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it, at that certain point where I I started working originally with this guy and then it it was a car accident he almost literally almost died in his head on, on an accident with this gravel hauling truck and he had all these spinal surgeries. And so we were, we were doing large commercial projects at that point, supplying doors, door hardware, um, All sorts of like specialty items for these big commercial jobs, and as some kid out of college had zero experience, that my partner couldn't be seen on a job site, so I had to go do these job site meetings. They'd ask me these technical questions, and I look like a total idiot. So at a certain point, I'm like, "We just this is not working. We can't do it." So at that point, it was a little scary because I had the idea for this business at that point, but then, you know, starting a business. And then making it happen, you know, where, you know, you don't just start a business and all of a sudden start making money. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah, there was definite like a period of shit, you know, how is this going to work? Oh, yeah. So it, you know, I was fortunate enough that I did. I was able to kind of like flesh this idea out, get it started as I was still trailing off with the other business. And then I was actually lucky enough. My I don't know if they know. I think I told them since my first clients were uh, people I met, I think. At one of your meetings, really, was, uh, Todd and Kelly Birmingham. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, I'm so I, happy. I, I know. So, I'm so, so happy. So, I literally, I got the logo for this company made and got the domain name, which you like, right? The, I do. Yeah. my home now. Yeah, it's awesome. Any, any, as a side note, any domain, always
0: be closing people. Yeah. Any, any domain <laughs>
1: name involving anything green is impossible to get. It's all snapped up already. But anyways. So I, I threw it up on Facebook, and literally within one day, Todd messaged me. He's like, "We have these uh, rental properties we want you to do this on," and that was it. And then we just kind of rolled from there. And they, they were literally my first client. We did two ho- uh, homes for them in Pontiac, and then it just kind of took off
0: from there. I'm so I I love hearing these stories. Cause, you know, sometimes you're doing something like renegade Detroit investors, it feels like in a vacuum you don't necessarily know if people are getting what, you know, meeting their goals. I know a lot of people are, but thank you for sharing that with me. I sure. appreciate that. Sure. That was awesome that you came and that, that happens. That's why you network folks. Right. And you, you, never, I mean, you Honestly,
1: you never know. And I've gotten other, uh, you know, other business from people that I've met like your group. And literally this guy called me up like a year and a half later, you know, your car has been sitting on my desk. It's like you never know, you plant the seeds for future
0: growth. Right. So it's, You gotta farm. It happens. You gotta farm. Actually I was gonna hire you. I was literally like six weeks away from hiring you before all the lawsuit (laughs) shit happened. Like I was gonna I was gonna blow insulation. I was gonna do everything. I was gonna get solar panels, I was gonna do the whole the whole nine yards and I'll be here. Yeah, I got delayed a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe by the time it's all done, by a decade. But
1: I still plan on being
0: here. Right? I'll get there. So, yeah. well, that's great. So, your first customers were literally people from networking, from coming to Renegade right. Detroit Investors, right?
1: And then we, um, so after we started, the utility company announced this rebate program that we're part of. Uh, it's Home Performance with Energy Star. Yeah, explain that. So it's an incentive program. It's actually mandated. People ask us all the time that you know, if consumers in DTE are selling us power, why are they incentivizing me to use less? And it's actually, there's a, it's a mandate by the state of Michigan uh, that every utility company has to have some sort of incentive program to kind of lower power on the grid. And it's actually really, it's kind of complex the way they do the math, but essentially, you know, there's a rising demand for power as population grows. We use more and more technology, use more electricity. So It's cheaper for them because of the way things are regulated now. They can't just build more coal fired power plants that are cheap to generate electricity. The new power plants are expensive. Yeah. So it's, let's say they spend a million dollars to incentivize people to use less electricity instead of investing that same amount of money into building a new power plant. They'll get, they'll stretch that dollar further to reduce the current demand on the grid by incentivizing reductions. And it'd be cheaper to do that than spend twice as much to build a new power plant. So it's actually in the long run saving them money. So because they have to do this, it's mandated and it's smart for them to do. Um, we were, you know, it, it took a little, we had to jump to some flaming hoops and I had to get these additional certifications. <laughs> flaming hoops. <laughs> and I maybe mean, you kind of did it was like this whole vetting process. But then once once you're done, then you're a authorized contractor. They call it a trade ally in this program. So we get a lot of leads and that's what helped me. initially. I think without that program initially, this wouldn't have worked because that first fall, in the fall time, people... Remember it's going to get cold in Michigan and they all of a sudden want to insulate their homes. It's just the way it happens. Like the first cold snap, the phone just starts ringing. So that first fall we started, I think our first project with Todd and Kelly was sometime in May or something like that. And then, you know, we had a few other projects in the summer and then boom, we were slammed in the fall because of these calls we get from the utility company. They were first business. So that really helped us get over that first, you know, get through that first year, actually make some money and
0: keep afloat. Yeah, that first year is tough, isn't it?
1: It was. And it was really cyclical uh because you know, early spring, summer, no one cares about insulation. Their bills are nothing, their homes are comfortable. You know, it's 65 outside, you got your windows open. Love Michigan then. Yeah, it's awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's perfect. But, yeah, but nobody thinks about No. Home I have every window
0: open. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so at that time, you know, the fall was great and then all of a sudden, you know, it just shut off and I'm sitting there thinking, "Okay, crap." So then I go to events like, you know, yours and Chase net- up some yeah, business. exactly. Network and do shows and all. That. And there was a learning curve, but then the first couple of years were very cyclical. And now just after being around for a while, we've, you know, even out your, you know, you kind of know what you have to do to even out the year. And now since we've been around for a while, get repeat business and referral work and all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's been almost what, six years almost just about. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of insane to think about, but time flies. And so it's like, you know, talking about like doing 400 projects, but it's like, I don't even want to know how many attics or crawl spaces I've been in. You know what I mean? Because for every ten attics you're in, you get to do you know one job. So it's really, like, it's yeah. that bad? Do well, not that bad, 10, but it's but... you know it's like you're always you cast a bigger net and come, come oh, bring them down yeah. the funnel, right? Yeah. So it's like so, but it's interesting because you see different stuff all day, every day. You meet with different people, and I'd rather do that honestly than sit at a desk. I think I'd go insane.
0: Oh yeah. So, so when you're putting together your your business plan, um, what we're so I know. Because you said you mentioned this DTE and consumers contract, mm. you didn't know about that at the time, right? I did not, yeah. So my thought was
1: because originally I was just doing Windows, right? Okay. And so then we turned that into and, and doing some research. In this type of home, uh, they call it home performance contract. They've been in California, in New York. They had programs like this already. So looking at those, the companies out there and looking at their models, just trying to do like a my. In would be like just convenience. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we streamline everything. We do the auditing installs, any available at that time. It was just tax credits. There were a couple of rebates, things like that, but nothing major. And then right as we got started and found out about that consumers program. So it was a total godsend, but you know, originally my thought was we'll approach people and say, we can do everything. One stop shop, make it really easy for you. And that was the, that was the plan.
0: And then the state intervened Pass some regulation. Like, hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was a major help.
0: What were the flaming hoops just out of curiosity? <laughs> well, <laughs> they, so
1: every, in each company that's in that program, you have to get these, uh, at least one member of the company has to have uh, different certifications. There's a certifying body called BPI. It's the Building Performance Institute, which uh, most energy auditors in the state, typically there's two certifying bodies, ResNet or BPI. Most I think majority of people have uh BPI certification, so I had to go to this course in Lansing for two weeks, do all sorts of continuing ed, things like that. So uh and then obviously I had to meet insurance requirements, had to give, you know, they want to look into your background, background checks, drug tests, all those types of things. So it's drug tests? I know. Jeez. I know. Yeah. Okay. I shaved my head. I passed. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I passed. I, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I would not pass right yeah. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
1: uh, but yeah, so we just had to go through a, it was like standard type of you know vetting process, and then um, then they trust you to go in in people's houses on their behalf.
0: I guess that is a good thing though. You definitely like the
1: background check, the criminal check. The, although the thing is that when they started that program, because they have X amount of budget, I don't know how many millions of dollars they have to disperse every year, and so because it was brand new, no one knew about it. If they didn't spend that amount of money, they'd shrink their budget for the next year. So they let in as many contractors as possible. I remember talking to this program director. I think he said he had like. I think it was like over a hundred something contractors in that program in the first year. And now we're down to like, I think it's down about 30 or 40
0: oh, okay. because they had
1: so many problems. They let in so many people. They weren't filing rebate paperwork. They weren't, you know, there, there, was a lot of problems cause it was tough to manage all these people. And at that time people were desperate for work as I was saying, so everyone was dying to get into that program. But you know, a lot of these guys weren't really as established as they would have liked. So since that, they kind of it boomed, and then they scaled it down, and now they're just kind of like a select group of contractors they use across the state
0: in their service area. Well, the future—I I think this is the future. We're not acting like it, which I find strange. We currently have seven billion people on this planet, yeah. projected to top out at eleven billion before we start heading back down. That's crazy. I don't see an energy revolution. It's going to have to be a fucking miracle like polio or something like that. Otherwise we're stuck on oil and natural gas and we're literally going to almost double demand and that's not sustainable. Right. And that's why, I mean, I I honestly,
1: I, you know, I, I kind of, I don't think about that a lot, but when you think about all the homes that you've done and like how much energy you are reducing, like the demand you're reducing, it you know, makes you feel good about it, but it should, but you know, it, um, the things that we're looking at now moving forward as far as like power generations. And, and there's a company we're starting to work with this, uh solar company that, um, they're a distributor for that Tesla power wall. And so when you can make the case to somebody, and obviously someone's got to want to invest in their home and be there for a little bit, but, You know, like when you're ready to do the solar and stuff, if you insulate a home properly, air seal it to the right level, then you can generate your own power. You can literally, you know, live off the grid. And people say, think live off the grid and they think you're like, you know, in Alaska or something. No. But you can do this anywhere. And it's, you know, you can finance it. There's, you know, the things are coming online online now that are going to make that easy to happen. Uh, The financing is becoming available, things like that. And solar panel technology is becoming more, you know, it's a lot cheaper. That's been fun to watch. Right. So it's, you know this is going to become more and more commonplace, you know, and and I can, you know, I I don't know if you post stuff like that, but I can give you some information as far as like just doing the numbers as far as, you know, if you're purchasing a home and you're going to be there, for about let's say 10 years you can finance it and essentially the financing payments the same as your average electric bill with no spikes right no seasonal spikes yeah is that on your website or no i can so we're just now yeah you could
0: do as soon as you put that on your website send it to me right. i'll put it in the show notes because yeah. i want people to do this man well, they
1: need to wake up it's if you show them the numbers say look essentially you're going to pay a bill monthly right you can either pay an electric bill, which is can go up, down, whatever you don't know, or you can lock in typically a low interest rate, pay that monthly bill for about seven or eight years. And then you have no bill, right? Yeah, that's so great. It, you know, when you show people the, you know, the numbers and then you can show them your home's gonna be comfortable, it's going to be safer, you know, all those types of things. And then, in you know, let's say seven, eight, nine years, you have no more bill. It's a no brainer if you plan on staying there, obviously, but it's it's just – it's one of those things where – Yeah, and I'm
0: not beating up on oil. Oil changed the world yeah. for good. <laughs> right. Let's face it. Plastic, excellent, right? Oil, we would not have this. We wouldn't have trees without oil and natural gas. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize we literally practically deforested the entire world right. for heating and cooking. And oil literally saved our trees and natural gas. That being said – right time to – Children, grandchildren. Turn the page. We can't use all the oil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be more of us, and um, we got to, We got to figure out some ways to – if we can't sequester carbon, we have to use less. Right. That's what – and
1: we're looking – so the um, Green Home Energy now is primarily residential. We've done some commercial work. So we're also looking at – I'm working with a partner that does uh, commercial – Utility auditing. So he'll come in and look at the way you're billed on the billing side. A lot of the time, um, the utilities will, and and through no, well, not through no fault of their own, but they don't know they're doing it. They're charging these big industrial and commercial customers the wrong rate. So we'll come in and look at the billing and then get a credit there, right? And they'll, they'll issue a rebate check because they've overbilled you essentially. So I started working with this guy. Now we're looking at more uh, commercial work. And there's also, there's this uh, product called pace financing, which, it's a, again, they've been doing it in California for a long time. and it's like a special tax assessment building owners can do on their own building to make it more energy efficient. And it's typically for larger scale commercial projects that involve LEDs, solar, you know um, you know high efficiency mechanicals, things like that. Um, yeah. So looking at because you know the opportunities are now there on you know from residential all the way to industrial and commercial. So and again, for business owners the, the numbers are there too. when you look at the commercial, uh part of the equation with this new financing, you're able to to show a business owner that the only thing that changes the day we're done with your project is the bottom line increases and because it has to cash flow. It's the only way the financing works is that every month the energy savings outweigh your monthly payment. If you can do that, that's exactly. excellent and right? so that those that's are the types, Yeah, those are the types
0: of things that are coming online which I think people will start seeing more and more in the next few years. So part of me as a human goes, why do we just have to save money in order to do the right thing? But at the same time, it's gotta, gotta make incentives sense. work, right? We are, we're, we're incentive space ape. We like incentives and they do work. I want to get to the new building code too, but I want to kind of like jump way into the future because it's like everything we're doing is wrong. The grid based system <laughs> is wrong. Um, really, all of our houses should be south facing They should have some sort of greenhouse front at an angle to allow low level, uh, low level winter light in but right. block out the high level. so we should have deciduous trees planted in front of our house right. to shade in, in the summer, summer. Heat in the winter and yeah. then the leaves fall and, and it, part of the part of the home should be sunk back in the earth to act as as mass to control I, it just, it does seem like an impossible feat.
1: Well, don't drive up to Oakland Township because that's, <laughs> you know, that's not, it's just, it's hard to, you know, to actually make money doing these developments and stuff like that. It's, it's not impossible, but
0: next to impossible. Right? Yeah. It's so, very difficult. Well, could, cause what was the consumer still want to pay per square foot? A hundred, right. yeah, 150 exactly. bucks a square foot. How much does it cost to build like this? 200 bucks a square foot. Yeah. At least before you want to make your profit. Yeah. Right. It does seem insurmountable in certain ways um what ways can we improve it that maybe isn't is insurmountable
1: i mean the, the types of stuff we do on a daily basis are easy affordable improvements you know most most homes that we audit are going to leak 2 to 3 times more air than they should so it's like literally there's a, this uh, device we use to measure the air leakage in a home does a, gives you like a visual representation. It'll say, you know, you, all the tiny air leaks in your house are the equivalent of about two square feet. So it's like having a window open all the time. Right. So if you can go Damn. around, right. Yeah. That's, so literally that's just stupid caulking, you know, taking a can of great stuff and sealing up all those major holes in your basement. Those types of things are simple. Well, they seem stupid. They add up. You know, insulating. There's a lot of small things that you can do that are relatively inexpensive, and you can get incentives for that can you know reduce your you know your need to to pull on the grid and and reduce your consumption of natural gas.
0: It's, well, let's start at the top. Let's go down everything. Like, let's pretend somebody, like, I'm Mr. Joe Q, 1975 home, moderately updated. Let, let's say I have some fucking wallside windows or something. Right, right. Which is tip. Yeah. So, but everything else is your typical Michigan suburb house,
1: right? So we typically, you know, going from top to bottom, the attic is usually the type, the, the, the place we'd start because what happens is if you, uh, to give you a little building science stuff is, you know, when you heat your home, you fill anything with hot air, builds pressure, a hot air balloon. Just kind of think of it that way. So you're pumping your home full of hot air all winter long. It builds pressure. And then any air leaks in the ceiling, so recessed lights, attic hatches, exterior outlets, gaps around window trim, all that kind of stuff. The air squeezes out. And then you're creating essentially negative pressure in your basement. So your home starts to act like a huge chimney stack. They call it stack effect in homes. So that air sucks in at the bottom and then leaks out the top. So you paid. Pump all this heat into your furnace. You burn natural gas to create the heat. The heat leaks out. You cold You draw in cold, dry air. You got to heat it up again. Then it leaks out. So you get this air exchange phenomenon that's happening in your home. So you feel instead of nice, you know, the uh, relative humidity being where you want. So you feel more comfortable in the right temperature. You get cold, dry air that's uncomfortable. So the biggest thing that we're going to do is go through and air seal your attic deck, seal can lights, uh, the tops of interior walls. They drill holes there for electrical wires, plumbing. So essentially you just want to go through and seal your attic deck first because you can insulate all you want, but if your home's leaking three times more than it should, it's not going to be comfortable. So we go air seal first, insulate the attic. As you go through the main home, we're looking to air seal any air leakage spots there. So that can be exterior outlets. Same thing, like a lot of times we have a painter we work with, they'll just come through and caulk all the interior trim work because you see air flying around those hands and windows. Oh yeah. You know anything that's a any miscellaneous air leaks that we find during that audit that we do, we try to plug up. And then in the basement or crawl space, that air that's rushing into the home, we try to keep out at the bottom. So a lot of times we spray foam, use a closed cell foam, seal the perimeter bond where the home sits in the foundation. Um, If you have a crawl space, lots of times the old school crawl spaces are vented to the outside, but then are attached to the home, so you get that nasty crawl space air we got dead raccoons and mouse crap. And <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because you meet these people and they have a super nice air purifier and they tell you they're asthmatic and my kids are allergic to this and we're really sensitive about this. And then you go in their crawl space and there's literally like dead mice in their duct work after it's gone through the air purifier. So you, that's not going to work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's part of the indoor air quality aspect that we look at too, but um, tightening all that up. So that way you're keeping the exterior air out and the conditioned air in. Right. And then the areas that are the weak spots that you want to insulate. So you kind of focus air sealing top and bottom, insulate it properly. And then it, that really makes a huge difference. And that when you do the two together, when you air seal and insulate together, that's when you get a drop in bills and reduction in, uh, or in-
0: increase in comfort. What about the difference between like even twenty year old windows and today's windows? Is it significant it, enough it to depends. make the investment? Or well,
1: it depends. You know, it. Um, I'd say out of a hundred audits that we do, we might recommend window replacement like three or four times. Okay, because the the issue is, you know, average payback from air sealing and insulating is about five to seven years. Average window payback is going to be about twenty five to thirty years. It can be a long. Windows time. Windows are expensive. You got to pay yeah. a crew to rip them out, then you got to trim it out. You know, it's it's expensive. You know. And if you bite on the first number from Hanson's, you know, for a regular size home, you're going to be paying 25 grand. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes you got to do windows, you know, the, the sashes don't air seal together, you know, the, where they come together, they're leaking air or they just don't work or aesthetically people just want new windows. So you do it, but typically from a home performance standpoint, we're looking at, I guess, more low hanging fruit that's going to have a bigger impact. Cause the fact of the matter is, unless they're like single pane leaded windows, if they, if you have a double pane window, that's still functional. You know, the increase in performance isn't going to be as, you know, from that window to a newer window is not going to be the same as going from like R7 to R60 in your attic space.
0: Yeah. Right. So is that what you use? R60 in well, the attic? The
1: recommendations or? between R49 to
0: 60 for our climate zone. Motherfucker. I just literally like three years ago finished <laughs> my garage with R33. I need to go like blow in right. some R60, I guess. Yeah. So damn it. Yeah. So
1: insulate first air
0: seal. Air sealing is the biggest yes. thing.
1: Shut the window first, you know, before you try to insulate. And then that once everything's sense. tightened up to the right
0: level, then you want to insulate. What about like furnaces too? This is something I think that just befuddles well, a lot of people, myself included.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if once you have the home, and that's the, our other recommendation is instead of if you have a drafty home that's under insulated, throwing in a 98% efficient furnace. Isn't, you know, nah, it's not gonna you'll create, you, you'll create the heat more efficiently, but you're going to lose it just the same. And you're still going to feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like, you know, people are like, well, and they have those new ECM motors, these high efficiency motors that can run all the time and circulate the air. And they're like, well, I can just heat it up more with more efficiently. But it's like, you know, let's say you have a sinking boat that's taking on water instead of plugging the hole, you're going to install another pump that can pump the water out faster. Plug the hole first insulate air sealed then install high efficiency mechanicals and then you'll be you know then you'll be set your bills will be next to nothing if you get some high efficiency furnace and they do now are designed those uh high efficiency furnaces are designed to run on that low mode with the fan running all the time so it does kind of just even out the temperature in the home it filters the air constantly so you get higher indoor air quality all those
0: types of things yeah it's amazing how much are those furnaces by the way?
1: You know, it really depends. That the air purification is a big question mark there, but you're probably looking around like thirty five, forty five hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, it's not too bad though. But that's like okay, so that's like on a retrofit home, mm-hmm. and that's that's important. We have millions of homes that have to be retrofit, right? However, what about new stick build? What what could you do and what should people consider doing if they're building a new home? Right. I know this code just got upgraded, but let's pretend like even it didn't, and there's some things uh-huh. to do because this is important, right? right. Children, grandchildren, great grandchildren. Right. We want to pass some shit on. What can right. we do for, for a new stick build? Um so for new construction,
1: the biggest thing obviously is at you know, when we go through a home and we're trying to caulk your window or door trim to air seal, that's obviously, you know, again, as I mentioned. We're not going to rip it out just to air seal it because to rip it out and put it back is going to cost too much and it does, it's not going to pay essentially. Numbers have to work, right? So as you're building, as you're framing, you can use adhesive to seal bottom plates where, you know, you're tipping the walls and sticking it to the the decking of the first floor where, uh, you have like headers and doublers, air seal, like air sealing the framing itself, then using higher performance insulation like spray foam insulating walls like that and air sealing exterior walls. So like, again, when we're working in a retrofit fashion, we do the best we can with an existing structure without tearing it apart. Because but you can't get all the space. Exactly. Right. When you're building, you can do everything perfectly, literally. So that, you know, it's cheesy, but they have a saying, it's like build it tight and ventilate it. Right. So essentially what you want to do is build that home and make it tight as a drum, no air exchange whatsoever. Then you put in the right mechanical. So high efficiency furnace along with they have these HRVs or ERVs. They're like these energy or heat recovery ventilators. So what they do is because when the home is too tight, that's not healthy. You know, if there's no fresh air in the home, it's not good for you. Yeah, that's not good. So they have these devices that will exhaust and it's tied into your heating and cooling system and those furnaces that are running constantly. They'll exhaust the stale air out of your home, bring in fresh air. But when it's doing that, you know, if you're just, you pay to create the 70 degree environment in your house and then you're just Pumping that air out of the house. That's a waste of energy. So when it, at a degree, you know, 18 degree day outside, what it'll do is, is exhausting that heat out. It's going to use that 70 degree air to temper that 18 degrees, that 18 degree air up to, let's say, like 45 degrees or 50. Yeah, degrees. like a
0: heat exchanger. Exactly. Basically. So mm-hmm. that
1: way it's, it's trying to suck as much heat out of that exhaust air as possible. So you're not wasting that heat. Then your furnace only has to work to get it from, let's say, you know, 45, 50 degrees up to whatever the temperature is that you set it at. So that's you're smart. trying to reuse all the heat as possible, bring in that fresh air. Then it's going to filter that fresh air. So you have, you know, you're not dragging your, your breathing fresh air in from your crawl space, your attic, you know, that, that's, that's the ideal scenario is to, to insulate homes. Obviously the insulation levels and exterior walls and attics are bumped up, but to build it as tight as possible to avoid any kind of like thermal bridging areas or bypasses where, you know, a lot of framing is going to bypass your insulation. And then once it's built tight and insulated properly, then add the right mechanicals. The other big thing too, and like, if you have larger homes, is like zones. You know, if you think people have, you have one thermostat for your entire house and it's almost like, you know, anytime you need, let's say you're, you you and your wife are in your bedroom upstairs and you want heat for that bedroom. So you turn your thermostat up, it's not heating your bedroom, it's heating your entire home. Yeah. So it's almost like you, that want is a, stupid. you want a glass of water and you turn on your tap at the sink and every single fixture in your house turns out. Your shower, <laughs> the toilet's flush. Why do we do it this it's way? It's stupid. It right? is stupid. So in, the, in, in newer construction too, we're typically designing new homes around the heating and cooling system. Because too often in these in retrofit scenarios, people are jamming ducks up in attics and crawl space. It's a disaster. And there's no thought put into it. So if you can design the home around the heating and cooling, that's what's really going to make it comfortable. And you can put multiple zones. If you know it's a, let's say it's you know husband and wife and two kids, the evenings you can have a master zone, kids bedroom zone. There's a living room zone. There's a basement zone, and you have multiple thermostats so that way your furnace is only delivering heat on demand to the areas that you're living in. Dude, that's amazing. Right. And then yeah. you're only going to need you're only going to need a, a little bit of heat because your home is so well insulated and air sealed that it's barely going to need it anyways.
0: What do you think in like in a new stick build home, the percentage drop from – for like say you retrofitted a home, like your typical 70s, 80s Michigan home, right? You went through, you did the best you could, and you retrofitted it. And you did a new construction. And like you said, you sealed everything, like tight, tight and right. I mean – for example, there's
1: a, there's a home that uh, worked on with my dad, and the, you know we did a lot of those um, you know advanced air sealing things. And this guy's got is a big home; it was like forty two hundred square feet or something like that. And his highest bill in the middle of January, and the worst winter we had in recent history, was close to a hundred bucks.
0: Damn, yeah,
1: damn. That's new. I mean, that's that's sealing everything and doing it perfectly,
0: dude. I was running three hundred a and, month. Yeah, and he's cold. on a
1: and he's on a lake, and they get blasted with cold air. I mean, that's what t- if you can just hold on to your heat and it's not flying out the window, that's what's going to happen.
0: I imagine it's. I know I'm probably not with you guys, right? So if somebody's going to hire somebody to build a house, make sure you check out, you check out because I know a lot of. What's um, <clears throat> a nice way of saying this? Not everybody in the construction trades yeah. are, are slow down or actually do what they say they're going to do, right? Because um, you're talking about sealing everything, everything. and that, the thing is though, now with
1: that blower door testing. The numbers don't lie. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you skimp, you're you're not going to get the Oh, an number.
0: excellent point. I didn't think about it. Okay, folks, before you buy that new stick-built house, it should have already been done, but if not, get that, what do you call that? Lower door test, yeah. Lower door test, yeah. 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 It's not going to lie. And
1: that's and that's part of the reason I enjoy, you know, working with my dad. He and that's how he stayed in business through the recession is that, you know, most people have that perception of construction and contractors that they're shisty and not trustworthy and that, you know, he built his reputation on you know, doing what he says, when he's going to do it, whether it's with the homeowner or paying trades people. That's why he's working with the same trades people for 30 years. So it's, you know, and that, that's kind of what I aspire to, you know what I mean? To, to have that same type of reputation. So it's, you know, because it doesn't, it stands out and there, and you know, it's not to say there aren't good builders out there. There's a lot of guys that, you know, that I know that are competitors
0: that we're friendly with that are the same way. And they're, it's, they are, you know, they're far and few in between though. It does seem that way. Yeah. Then again, it could be like the investor world and the real estate agent world. It's the same in any industry. Yeah, there's like there's this always,
1: douchebags, you know, a are large minority that
0: are trying to just ruin it for everybody else. They're full of morons, right? So, okay, let's talk about this new building code. Because I remember when I was speaking to you in 2010, 2011, you you said something to the effect of we're basically still running on like 50s, 60s building code, and now it's been updated. Yeah, so updated significantly. To,
1: I think the last upgrade in the building code, and don't quote me on this, was sometime like early two thousands, I believe. Okay. And so, that, and that again, you know, the stuff that we see, the problems that people have, like, well, for example, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and one of the photos I posted on, um, our Facebook page, this was like maybe two weeks ago, you know, it's, it's a home that was built by this builder in Royal Oak. Oh, that's right. I remember. They do, they do a lot of construction. They marketed the home as energy efficient. They Oops. did, a, they did a blower door test on it, which the result, you know, the, I mean, the, the results literally meant nothing. That's a whole nother story. But they, so they marketed this home as energy efficient and the, the homeowner had a bonus room over a garage. And so they have two kids now and they were having another and they need that bedroom. But it's so, there's literally like a 10 to 12 degree difference in that room. Damn. Compared to the rest of the house. It's just unusable. It's so cold. So they, they, they bought these like booster fans for their registers to suck more heat in there, all these types of things. And the stuff we found past inspection, they got a green tag, you know, and it, so it's code, but it's, you know, it, it just, it doesn't work now that now with the new building code, the stuff they did wouldn't fly though. So that that's the good news. But still again, that, that code is going to be, it's still kind of a bare minimum of what you want to do. You know, there, there's a lot of additional things that we can do to, 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 you know, if you're building a custom home that you'd want to do anyways, you know what I mean? Cause it makes typically when we talk to somebody and we're saying, okay, here's a quote for your new build. We'll quote it to code because that's what everyone else is going to do. And we'll say, here's a, here's a, like, let's say a energy efficiency package, like a level one kind of step up and uh, upgraded, insulated and air sealing package for the house. That usually accounts for about a a percent to 2% of the total cost. And like that is the only 2% that you're going to spend in that whole project. That's going to pay for itself. Probably let's say you live, if you're building some new custom home, I'm assuming you're going to stay there for about at least five, 10 years. I would guess most people maybe more if you're building your dream house you know, so that stuff will pay for itself in probably five years or less because it's so tight, so you know, insulated properly. So why not, you know, you're gonna spend thirty grand on cabinets. You know, why not spend yeah, a little insane. more spend two percent more on the insulation and it's gonna put money in your pocket.
0: Thirty grand to put your dishes in, yeah, basically. Yeah. And you then you can walk around barefoot in your
1: underwear in the middle of February. You know, which would I mean? be great. Yeah. Not in a
0: robe and hat and socks. I do it anyway, I just do it clothes. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, like, ah, put some clothes on hey, there. Don't look through the windows. Yeah. Don't be looking at my house. <laughs> yeah, my house is freezing. I need to have you come out and do it. I was really close, man. I, I just need to do it. It's terrible. I think they built that thing and they drilled extra holes. In all sorts of places. It's possible. I go around every year and I, I get that spray foam stuff and I always find new fucking holes. Keep I doing it. I don't that's, know how I keep doing like how did I miss this? It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Was I not even looking last time? Right. I don't know. Maybe that says more about me than the than the build. Just get the but, blow door test. That's that's what I'd recommend. For
1: anybody that if you don't know and you're curious, just have the audit done. That way it, it gives you a to do list. That way you're saying, you know, if there are a bunch of holes that you can seal, you'll know where they're at and then you can kind of knock things off your list over time. But that way, you're not just guessing. You're like, well, should I replace these windows? Should I get a new furnace? Should I add, attic, you know, put in attic insulation? This way, you know, there's no there's no guessing.
0: So, what insulation should go in the walls in the attic? Now, you said 60R, and for those listening, maybe explain the whole thing. R to value is uh, so you see things like R13, R19,
1: you know, the rating for insulation. The R stands for resistance to thermal transfer, and then the number is a time value for heat loss. So, when they rate the R value of insulation, you take uh, they'll take, let's say they take this X amount of BTUs to measure the the amount of time it transfers through. So they take this X amount, takes 13 minutes to go through this material. It's R13. That same amount of BTUs take 30 minutes to go through this material. It's an R30. So it's just, it's a measure of how quickly the heat transfers through the material or how how fast you're losing heat or in the summer you're gaining heat. So in the attic space, are you asking what types or where should different types go or how yeah, much? Yeah, or- all, all the above. <laughs> so, in the attic space, typically what we, we normally use blown in material in a retrofit fashion and even a new construction now, because um, the rolled out insulation, you know, there's gaps in it. It, you know, can get lifted. Electricians can mess it up. Not to say you can't mess up blown in insulation, but in a retrofit fashion, especially, you can blow it in. It fills in all these gaps. It covers the framing members. It does a way better job. Then, you know, if we were to come in and roll out fiberglass insulation in your attic in an existing home, you know, even a new construction, typically what they would do is, you know, you, you frame the house, get your rough electrical and plumbing, then you insulate and you'd hang the ceiling with some sort of fiberglass and either you hang it with 38 fiberglass, which is, was the code, or you could hang it with like 19 and you come back and blow over it once the insulation's done now, or once the drywall's up in the ceiling. Now what we'll do is we'll insulate the walls, let them drywall the ceiling We'll come back and spray foam and seal the tops of the walls, put can covers over the recessed lights, spray foam, seal, uh, surface mount electrical fixtures. Again, just go through and seal the entire attic deck and then blow into an R49 or R60. So the attic is typically most of the time blown in insulation as long as you air seal properly first. Um, vertical walls, exterior walls, typically we're going to use – ideally we'd like to use spray foam only issue with spray foam obviously is it's very expensive um everybody wants spray foam and then for you know big house they get a number for spray foam it's like never it, mind <laughs> i mean literally i mean for these big homes if you want to fill if you because now you know the exterior wall insulation code is r21 in a two by four cavity the only way you can get an r21 on a two by four cavity is by using closed cell foam you get the i think the highest even if you use high density fiberglass the highest you're going to get is r13 in a two by four so if you have an existing home that's a two by four wall, you have to spray foam it to get uh the R twenty one. But the issue is, you know, if you get a large home that you want to spray foam, I mean, you could easily be looking at you know fifteen to twenty grand of spray foam,
0: like literally. That is some crazy spray foam.
1: But again, you know, you're gonna that. I mean, if you do an entire home in spray foam like that, you can literally heat it with a candle,
0: like no joke. It it's
1: incredible how comfortable and efficient it is. But you know, there, there are different ways around it now. Typically, exterior walls will be framed with two by six. Boards, so instead of a you know a three a three and a half inch cavity, you have about five and a half inches. So you can do a hybrid of spray foam and fiberglass. So you get, get that the, number down, right? So you can do let's say two inches of spray foam, so that way you get the air sealing properties and the airtightness of that that foam plus an extra. So two inches of foam is at R fourteen. Then you can fit an R nineteen fiberglass bat in there. So all said and done, or excuse me, R thirteen. So all said and done, you're looking at like an R twenty. 27 typically.
0: That's like a hybrid. Yeah. Saves a shit ton of money.
1: Yeah. It can't, you know, typically it would be about, you know, 30%, 40% less than doing yeah. all foam. That's smart. So it, you can use it, but you want to use it strategically, you know, because the numbers can add up really quickly.
0: What the hell is this foam? It's like magic foam. It's like a isocyanate
1: polyurethane foam. It's a, it's a two part foam and there's molt, there's open cell and closed cell foams. There's different types, you know, manufacturers of foam, but typically the foam we're using is a closed cell foam it comes, the, the machine that sprays it, it's like a large commercial trailer or rig. Um, you know, it, it, the foam comes in two parts. There's an A and B side of the material, it comes in a large 50 gallon drum. Then this machine takes the foam out, puts it through a heating element, mixes it precisely, puts it through this hose, you know, and then the hose sprays it and it kind of mixes in the nozzle. And as it comes out, it reacts and creates this foam. So closed cell, as you would think, it's got, it's, it's more rigid. It's a, it's a closed cell on a molecular level. Uh, open cell foam. Which a lot of times people, when they see, when they think of foam, they think of open cell because you see it on TV. They spray it; it puffs up. Yeah, you know, and then they come through and they have to trim it. Uh, the only issue with open cell is that open cell foam is as you would think; it's a it, the the cell on a molecular level is like fractured; it's open, so it's more permeable to moisture and things like that. But there are there's there are areas that you can use open cell successfully, but things that are below grade, crawl spaces. Typically we try to avoid using open cell because you know it, it can absorb moisture and you can have issues there.
0: Yeah, that seems bad. And it has
1: a lower R value per inch. So you can't fit that same R R value in a two by four with open cell that you
0: can in closed cell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So So that shit you're gonna buy at Home Depot, is that open cell or closed cell? The,
1: like the can of great stuff yeah. is like I think it's technically a closed cell, but it's a single part foam. It's not the uh, the stuff we use again. It's it's two parts that's precisely mixed. Yeah. So it reacts and creates this foam. It's it it's similar, but it's
0: it's not the same. Any worries about off gassing or anything like while, that?
1: Yeah. While we spray, there are you don't want to you know our our guys that uh, are spraying the material. We wear respirators. We ventilate the house with these big ventilation fans that suck the fumes out. You know, cycle through clean air. Um, yeah. So while we're spraying, yeah. Uh tip and the, the EPA stance is you know twenty four hours typically for reentry. So if you're spraying a whole house and it's full of the spray foam Take you your wa- pets out. Right. You want to ventilate it. Um you know if you're just spraying a little bit in the basement bond and you're ventilating the house, you know Technically, 24 hours for reentry, but most likely you you check, uh, and you know, there's ways to to test to see if the air is safe for reentry. So
0: legal disclaimer, folks, being adult. Yeah, right. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm um, saving you right there. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But Mark said it. Yeah. Not giving you any advice at all. Just saying typically, you know, professional. Yeah. So, you know, it, um, once the, so we, there's a BASF product that we've used that typically, or not typically, once the foam is cured after 24 hours, the curing rate. Uh, once it's cured, there is zero off gassing from the material, which okay. is a big deal because originally they they in Canada they had a nightmare scenario where there was uh off gassing of formaldehyde with foam, and if you've ever tried to remove spray foam, you know that trying to get it out is a total disaster. So I can only imagine. Start I, again. Yeah, right. Just burn the house <laughs> down because you literally have to you cut it with the sawzall, scrape it out. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. So, but this foam is you know there's no. You know, there's no VOCs. They call it no volatile organic compounds that off-gas. There's no, it's formaldehyde free. There is no off-gassing from the material once it's cured within 24 hours. Mm. But be safe while spraying because yeah. the fumes are nasty. You want to use eye protection. That might be something sprayer.
0: somebody they don't, they don't want to do themselves. Hire you can, some you
1: pros. can You can screw it up fast. And once it's on something, it's hard to get off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that so, seems right. seems yeah. like not, maybe not, I don't know. Some people are handier than me, but uh. you can use,
1: I mean, honestly, if you have a small project, you want to try it out at home Depot. They started carrying them recently. They're called froth packs. Uh, it's, it comes in two, they look like little propane tanks. There's an A and B side and same thing. It, you know, you turn the nozzles on, it comes out the hose. It's a little more primitive than the system we use. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's the tanks are under pressure. It's not a compressor that's spraying it. And then it kind of comes out in this nozzle and it shoots out and it mixes in the nozzle. So if you have like a small little project, you could try using that. But um, again, it can get messy if you don't know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, it's intense to get away. And of, of course, windows, right? People need to, what, what do you, what about other building materials or like, um, like, is there any benefit to choosing different roofing materials or siding materials? Well, they, yeah, or? now
1: they have, I mean, there's new roofing materials that have like Energy Star ratings. Um, so, you know, they're like reflective, you know, dark roofs, obviously are going to soak up heat in the middle of the summertime. Your attic's going to get really hot. And that just, you know, if you don't have the right level of insulation that heat's going to migrate down into the house. Um, you know, there's all sorts of alternative, there's even like alternative framing techniques, you know, I've, you know, uh, and that's kind of the area I'm in now is just trying to like learn as much as possible and absorb as much information as possible about all these different kind of alternative techniques, because even just the way you frame the home, reducing, you know, that thermal bridge, but in the, which is the framing member that can help too. And you can use less lumber you know, which is environmentally friendly and then increase the, the R value of your wall assembly. So there, and then there's, you know, depending on where you're at, there's new systems for foundations. They sell these things. Uh, they look, they look like Legos, almost these foam blocks that you, you set up the foundation with these foam blocks and they're just hollow in the center and you pour it. It's like a form for your concrete but you leave the foam blocks there, so it's double. Your foundation wall is double insulated. Damn, that's Dead, interesting. You can use like these zip panels. They call. What kind them.
0: of foam is that? Is that? Uh... It's just
1: you know. It's I don't know exactly the type of foam, but it's some sort of like a, a foam insulated board, and it comes in these little blocks. And you know, obviously, it comes precisely laid out and made for your foundation, and you assemble it on site. It's all assembled. You pour it in the concrete. It's like a form, and you just leave it on. And it's like a double wall the inside and outside layer of your foundation foundations insulated.
0: Is this common use or is this still kind no, of fringe? It's still,
1: it's still kind of fringe. You know, you don't see it a lot. You know,
0: but um again, I think these types think these of systems will become of commonplace as we move forward. Yeah. Do you think there might be a market for like a green? I know a California there is, but we're talking about Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Big three, you know. We don't even have fucking emissions. In yeah. the state of Michigan, just yeah. Yeah. they burn it all. We love it, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I think I play around with the idea in my head, of course. Um, or maybe there be there could be a green subdivision or or something like that, where you can do these things. Um, I don't know what it costs per square foot or what the difference would be, but it'd be interesting,
1: right? And it's you know it's one of these things now too with real estate. Um, like we were working with one of the uh, which I don't know if I can say which, but like we sat down with one of the larger MLS services in the state of Michigan.
0: Yeah. Don't say well, you don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So they,
1: so they are working on greening their MLS because this is the big question now is if, and homeowners ask this all the time and I'm honest, they say, you know, if I do this, can I sell my home for more? I'm like, well, the answer is, I don't know because you know, Let's say you have a neighborhood in Rochester Hills where there's 200 houses and there are like one of four four plans that are throughout the neighborhood and someone's looking to buy in that neighborhood. You have one home that's built in 1970 that no one's touched as far as insulation wise, but you know it's redone. Then you have your redone home cosmetically, you know with granite and stainless or whatever, but you know it's gone through energy auditing, you've insulated, air sealed to the right level, it's been increased to this new modern level of performance. Will that person pay Five bucks more square foot for that house. I don't know. And I, you know, and I'm I'm trying to sell that service and I'm not going to say guaranteed. Yep. They're going to pay more, but will your home sell faster? If there's three other homes in that neighborhood that are for sale and they're similar in size and finishes and everything, I I mean, I I personally, I think it would be a no brainer. Why wouldn't you? Your bills are going to be lower and your home's more comfortable. So it makes it more saleable. So in that, you know, to that, to that end, the MLS is going to try to accurately reflect that and excellent and home inspectors. Because we run into this a lot. Home inspectors, their idea of evaluating insulation a lot of times is to poke their head up and say insulation check, yes or no. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's not test. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, (laughs) yes, there's insulation, but it's like an inch and a half. Yeah. So they, they need to, you know, they need to learn that. And then the, the largest, the, the largest key is going to be assigning value. So that comes to the appraisal. And that's also kind of coming down the pipe too. I think in the next couple of years is assigning value to energy savings, you know what I mean? Or even having uh, like a miles per gallon rating on homes, which I think in the very near future is going to happen. It's already, you know, EPA has those standards. So when you list a home and it's on the MLS, they'll have a green fields feature saying, you know, you know, uh, you know, added insulation or, you know, insulation level, you'll fill out different insulation levels, um, you know, energy star appliances, LED lighting, you know, um, any types of certifications. Is this home lead certified? Has it been audited by a BPI auditor? You know, there's a lot of different things that are going to be on that MLS information. And then they'll have a miles per gallon score. Let's say, let's say 10 is super efficient. One is not efficient. Dude, That would be awesome. And so that way, when you buy a house, like when you bought your home and it's super leaky, you'd score a one and a half out of 10 and you'd be like, well, shit, my bills are going to be 300 bucks in the winter. Yeah, they are. And you're looking at this home and it gets an eight out of 10 and my bills are going to be you know, 95 or, you know, 110 or something. So that way a homeowner knows what they're getting into, which it's crazy because when you go, you know, you go through such scrutiny when you go to get a mortgage, they look at everything, all, you know, all your the payments and things, all your debt to income ratio, all these things. How much is your mortgage going to be? You're going to be a couple dollars off and you get denied, but then you had this annual or excuse me, monthly expense, which is, can be really significant. You know what I mean? So it's kind of crazy that that's not taken into, into, as, as like as a factor when evaluating someone's ability to own a home,
0: yeah, it just has to be modernized. That's why I feel like we're in that we're in that weird stage where it was like, there's not necessarily wrong with the old way we did things. We just have to do it differently right. and better, and we need to reflect that somehow. Right. But that those types of things, like the miles per gallon
1: or the the, the home energy score, um, and you can look that up on the EPA website now. You can like research that home energy score, all those things, and then the greening of MLSs. Those are things that nationally, I know, like National Association of Realtors, they're work. I mean, they're working on that stuff now because it's going to take a lot of education to educate. Because there's, you know, same way with building or any any industry, a lot of realtors are clueless when it comes to home construction or home performance. They're great at selling homes. They know you know the features of homes, but when it comes to insulation or home performance, that's going to be a big gap to bridge. So it's that's gonna that's kind of the whole thing is how do we roll it out? how do we educate people properly to to accurately reflect what's going on in these homes and then kind of
0: try to take it from there because that that's the point we're at now yeah seems like we have so far to go but i'm excited we're getting closer
1: the the funny part is i work a lot with realtors you know, I gave a presentation, for example, there's a woman's council of realtors group in Birmingham and Bloomfield, and we did this green meeting, and we had this woman from Chicago who's a realtor, but she's an expert on this stuff, and she uses the green – most realtors see it as a negative because it's just a pain in the ass and it's something extra they're going to have to do, and if the home has a low energy rating, that's going to be harder to sell, you know, but this lady is using these green factors to her advantage, and she really has a really unique uh, – uh, Uh, I guess like business plan or the way she does business or handles it with real estate in Chicago. So she came in, we had this energy raider speak and uh, you know, the general reaction from realtors and the finance people was, we're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure this doesn't happen for as long as possible. Really? I had people come up to me afterwards. She's like, you know, we're a major donor to the, you know, it's like the, the lobbying, uh, group for realtors and said, you know, we'll make sure that we do everything we possibly can to make sure this doesn't happen. Man, that shit dep- depresses me. Sometimes. I know, but the thing is, it, it, I,
0: I love that they told you though. Like, yeah, by that's, the way, fuck like, you. we love it. No, the, like the We're idea destroy is you. great. <laughs> yeah, they're like,
1: the idea is great, and eventually, sure, it'll happen. But even like the the finance guys, like, you know how much more work this is going to create? You know what I mean? Because they already have to look at all this stuff, and then they all of a sudden, they got to factor in the. The, the utility bills. And like, if someone's right on the edge of getting approved for that mortgage and then they, you know, you add in this factor of utility bills monthly, it's going to screw them up. And I was like, well, if you're at that point where the person can't afford the utility bill, you probably shouldn't maybe be they doing should get it anyway. Anyhow, yes. Yeah.
0: Right? So, that's not a bad thing,
1: but it's going to take, it's, I think it's going to create some issues. You know, it definitely will. I know Good. it will, but Good.
0: I love disruptions in the market like this, but it's, you know, it's like it's, a grenade. Yeah. Toss it already. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll happen,
1: you know, I think in the next couple of years, you'll start seeing it more and more. I know for a fact that the it's that MLS system is gonna start including that. And then it's we have a trade association, uh Mika, it's the Michigan Energy Efficiency Contractors Association that is gonna try to work hand in hand with the MLS systems, with national association association realtors, um, our like membership that are gonna try to Help educate people because in the end, if you can associate a higher value for real estate because of what we do, it's obviously good for our business. So
0: yeah, it's good for have, commissions. It's good,
1: yeah. I mean, so it's obviously we have ulterior motives, but in the end, it's good for everybody.
0: Yeah. yeah. it. This is something I, I don't understand. It's okay. It, it's okay if it's good for everybody and you make money. I, I don't understand. Like, and it's people, good for the environment. Yeah, the no people longer. get upset like, oh, and you made money. Well, yeah, that is the fucking point. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. why
1: we. Yeah, that's why we're here.
0: What, like, fuck my family? Like, no food today because I'm not allowed to make money. Right, it upset right. somebody's feelings. You yeah. know, it's too bad. It did good things. Yeah, yeah. You can only you only make money when it does bad things. These people are idiots. <laughs> well, it seems that you just can't account for human laziness too. Like, oh, it would disrupt me. It would change my day. It would make it harder to sell something. If
1: someone's been doing something for a certain way for twenty years.
0: Just embrace it, folks. Embrace it. What about the children? Fuck the children. That's what they're saying. We don't like children. They don't sell houses. They don't buy houses. They do eventually. They grow old. Well, the fracking has done a great job at increasing supply, but unfortunately with that human incentive thing too, I'm sure, has that thrown like a wrench in the rate of energy efficiency at all? Or I don't know. What's your perspective? You know, I – to me, we haven't seen much
1: difference, or people, when we're talking to them, aren't saying, like, looking at the rate they're being charged per MCF on their gas bill. You know what I mean? I feel like that's, you see that more immediately at the gas pump. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, a lot of times people aren't saying, that like, extra well, steps. people are following the futures of natural gas. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess they're Things probably like not. No. <laughs> not quite as much. You know, if there's a national, you know, if nationally natural gas prices are tanking and their bills are next to nothing, obviously that would have a defect you know, an effect on, on demand. You know what I mean? For us, because if built people's bills are nothing. Although I'd say maybe about a third of the jobs we do are specifically because people say my bills are so high. I'd say the majority of the issues are comfort issues, comfort related. And when you're uncomfortable, you know, the amount you have to pay is, When they're making an emotional decision, not a calculated decision. It's, it's, you know, for us, it's easier to sell. You know, anytime people are making an emotional decision, it's easier to sell, but, um, so it with the people that call that have high bills, it's typically a tougher sell because they're like, "Okay, this is how much it costs, this is my payback. If I do you know they're more calculated in making their decision, which i well it might even be less than a third to be honest to the people that say that they're that are bill motivated obviously, the lower bill's a nice side effect, but um I don't know if exactly the you know the, nat- the the glut of natural gas that the U.S. has is really
0: affecting our business as much. I would say that's good. That's that makes me hopeful. Okay, okay. That, that does make me hope. I worry about that sometimes. Like uh, you know, seven eight miles to the gallon V8s. <laughs> right, you know, like right. the good old days. Some others just fill it up again. We'll get nailed yeah, just again. Fill it up again. Uh, I'm certain of it. You know? Well, I'm I'm positive. Yeah, I'm sure of it. I do like that. Um, it's putting the the cramp on countries like Saudi Arabia, which we shouldn't be trading with at all. Right. Miserable bastards! <laughs> I like that we're what we're, we're the world's second largest exporter now, or something like that. But they're
1: doing it to us, aren't they? And that's what I was reading. Is that you know they beefed up the supply at least initially because they're saying you know what, screw you Americans, it costs you eighty dollars a barrel to produce. It only yeah, costs tried. us fifteen. A, yeah, you know, so we'll. I don't care. I'll flood the market. And at $40 a barrel, I'm still making a windfall. Yeah. But then I think I think
0: it's gone a little bit further. But it has. Yeah. yeah they shot themselves in the foot. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, we got billions of dollars, yeah, too. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> These energy companies are enormous. Yeah. They can float billions for a long time. What? BPE ate, just ate a $20 billion fine like it was nothing. nothing. Yeah. It's crazy. So good luck, folks, trying to to run that into the ground. That's going to be... And also, to your point, uh, they say I can't. Joe's always telling me this: you sell with emotion, and you close with logic. So, yeah, yeah, comfort does comfort does sell. What do you think about the very virgin um, natural building community, which seems to be it's it's extremely small, but it does seem to be exploding. Have you experimented or looked at any of the natural building uh, models that are being presented? To be completely honest, not really. Some of it's some pretty hippie shit. Yeah. I was going to say, like you're talking about
1: like building in the earth and things like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, primarily a lot of the work we're doing is like Oakland County, you know, Southeast Michigan. They're not going to like that. It's going to be tough. I'm not a uh, hobbit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So unfortunately that's not quite, although we did do a job for a guy that was building a geodesic dome in Holly. So that's a, Dude, that's awesome. a little, that's a, like a little more in that direction, but yeah, nothing really with that type of construction.
0: Yeah. Cause a few of the ideas seem good. Like I'm not going to go over some of the dumber ideas that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of experimentation going on yeah. and not everybody doing the experimenting is as bright as the next, but, um, um uh, compacted earth mm. sand, like some, some of the things are doing where at least some portion of your house is surrounded by a large thermal mass, where they put pipes in, and then I don't know. Did you watch that YouTube video, that Trash Warrior? It's really experimental, and I'm not recommending or endorsing. Yeah, I'm just I, I, some of the ideas I think are are interesting. Where you have a greenhouse in the front, which is more traditional, right? Depending on um, what was it latitude, latitude that you're at? Yeah, would determine the angle, right. At which the eaves are yeah like yeah you think yeah. things are like that it does it does seem interesting to yeah. me it'd be a way to i don't have no idea how we do it with the grid system we have set up in america. america yeah i don't i don't even know what we would do
1: that's um, a, i don't know to be completely honest i mean I, that's not not my forte if
0: but. you're interested in that shit i'll put the link in there it's crazy the guy is crazy but some of it's interesting um you might find it interesting is like trash warrior or whatever. I'm not okay. endorsing it. I'm just saying some of the, some of the ideas are are interesting. What do you think the next 20 years holds? Cuz it feels like we're just starting to move. Like we're we're, we're slowly waking up to the fact that this is going to be a problem. It's not as big a problem now as it's going to be in 50 years. Right. Where do you think the direction heading what do you and maybe whatever you think you the direction we're heading what do you think we still need to do that's attainable that you think we can get done Well I mean you mentioned our existing housing stock
1: we have just t- I mean no matter how many homes we do there's always going to be homes left to to you know to to insulate and air seal because it's yeah you know, they're just hogs on the system but then going forward the type of stuff that we're talking about and, and to be honest I would think it would take some sort of larger shock to the system, more impetus for people to really take that leap. You know what I mean? Because at the status quo, you know, people are happy, you know, paying 125 a square foot for a, you know, a a 3,500 square foot home in Oakland township that's built conventionally. You know what I mean? So as long as that's the, I guess the, the, the frame of thinking, I don't see a lot changing, but with things like the new code um, solar prices coming down, all those types of things. Then you have like companies like Tesla doing that power wall, so you can generate power during the day, store it. You know, so I think as people do see the numbers though, you do have, there's obviously that additional in- investment, but with new types of financing and things that we talked about, if the numbers work, people will do it, I think. And so it's just a matter of being able to pay for it effectively, produce the materials we need at a at a level or a cost that are that, that make it effective for people to use. So and like you said, you know, it's great that people, some people just want to be green, but the majority of the people, the numbers have to work because at the end of the day, you know, you have a family, you got to make ends meet, all those types of things. And you want to be a, you know, a good steward to the environment, but at the same time, you know, if it's either eating or, you know, oh, yeah. having a solar panel, you know what I mean? Gonna eat, Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it just, it has to make sense for people, but you know, going forward, I think these types of as like we talked about, when you're talking to people building a home and you show them what we're talking about and you describe the types of things that we do and you show the cost and the payback, people see it, you know, they get it. When they, you know, when people think green home, like, well, I don't want a freaking wind turbine
0: on my roof. I'm like, well, that's not what it is. You know what I mean? But I love what, that their first objection is aesthetic, you know?
1: Right. Like, well, that's, you know, but that's what people think. Like, oh, I don't want rain barrels and solar panels and blah, blah, blah. But that's not it. You know, you can have the exact same home, just kind of beef it up a little bit. And the amount of energy you consume is significantly less and you increase your comfort level. So I think that is a good initial step. And I think this new energy code is a good step in the right direction in helping us get a, you know, help to get there because it's obviously on a statewide scale. So. Yeah, that's Michigan kind
0: of, is lagging too.
1: I mean, it's getting there, but it, you know, it, again, it's, uh, it now that it's going to be enforced,
0: people are going to have to do it, yeah, <laughs> whether they like to. it or not. So, what are they doing in California that they need to do here? Cause that seems the, to be where so, ground zero is, so right? So, one of the biggest
1: things, so I, I mentioned that pace financing for commercial. Yeah. Yeah. That is, so that is, and that's essentially why, because a lot of the objections we had on the commercial side are always, you know, commercial buildings are typically owned by businesses or, you know, people that are trying to make money using owning that real estate cash flow, cash flow, cash exactly. flow. Exactly. Right? So it has to make sense. So that PACE program is really changing the, the ball game there because it eliminates so many objections that commercial building owners have. Right. So that's on the commercial side. Now in California, they're doing PACE residentially. So it's a hundred and the same. This is the same for the commercial. It's a hundred percent finance. So zero out of pocket. Um, it is transferable since it's an assessment on that building. When you let's say, cause that's another objection we get like, I'm going to sell in three years. I'm not going to see the payback. Well, if the note stays with the physical property, cause it's an assessment done through the tax bill, then you don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? So that's a brilliant
0: idea. So it's make it follow the building instead right, of the person.
1: Exactly. So the next person just, but, but the brilliant, the best thing again, and I mentioned that before with that pace financing is that the only way the financing gets approved is if it's cash flow positive for the building owner, the energy savings have to outweigh your monthly Payment on the financing. So as a homeowner that does that, as a building owner that does that, if you own a commercial building and I tell you there's zero out of pocket expense and the day we're done, your bottom line increases. It seems like a complete and total no brainer. It is. There's also that's they're starting. They started that residentially in California. So if that ever came to Michigan, I think that'd be amazing. And also one of the things that. That trade association that I mentioned, we work with in the state of Michigan. Um, and There's a guy that we have there that works daily, you know, with legislators and stuff like that. They're, they're uh, uh, pushing through this on bill financing, which they have in New York already. Where, as a utility customer, you can, again, 100% finance your project. Let's say your bill is 300 bucks a month. Then we come in, we'll say we can do X, Y, and Z, seal, insulate, no out of pocket expense to you. Your bill will stay roughly at around 300 bucks a month. And the projected or the energy savings on that bill then goes to pay off your project.
0: Dude, that's a genius.
1: So on this on bill financing can change things too. So that there's a couple different things that would really, when you if you can show people the numbers and say, look, there's no expense to you. You can either pay this three hundred bucks a month and just cough up this money to the utility company, or you could invest in the home and reduce, you know, spend that same amount of money, but.
0: Seven years, you pay nothing. Yeah, exactly. You're significantly less,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. So those types of things that, that facilitate the ease of implementation, I think, are that that's where it's going.
0: It seems like it'd be really easy to finance with a new construction, right? Because you could just roll all that shit in. Right, right. So this is really a great way... Oh, man, I wonder how we can do that. So they're pushing to get this done or, or trying yeah, to get so the idea? The,
1: the on-bill financing is a lot closer. That pay stuff, I, the... the um, I was reading about that and I we went to this training, and they were talking about the residential pace in California. I think that's probably a bit further out that that's a That's a little more complex because there's a legal aspect to it because you're doing a, a tax assessment onto the property, so there's a little more paperwork involved there, and I'm not too familiar with the residential
0: side of that, but yeah, it's difficult, but that Michigan would be, does not make it easy, yeah, as you could imagine yeah so it, it would it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but yeah, I wonder how they would roll that out. So success in California, it's been, it's been working basically. Yeah. The pace, the commercial pace in
1: California has been really successful. It's start, it's growing in Michigan and then um, on the commercial side. And then at this training we went to for the commercial pace program in Michigan, they were saying that the residential program in California is, you know, obviously taking hold there.
0: So good. Let's talk about, I don't know how much longer it's going to happen. DT and consumers energy will actually pay people or certain people, right? Because you, you, you work with this program, you're their what, trade ally or whatever, yep. uh-huh. right? How does that program work and how could people use that to retrofit their home? Right. And could it be used on an investment property?
1: Yeah, we've done quite a few investment properties. Okay.
0: Um, because,
1: well, the way to, to begin with, the way it works is we do we come in and do an energy audit on a building. So we do that air tightness test, we do thermal imaging, we do a visual inspection. And when we're done, essentially what you're left with is a to-do list top to bottom of how to you know improve the efficiency of your building of your home so from there we then sit down with the homeowner and we can price everything out and then either the homeowner the property owner you know the investment guy you know you can determine what you want to do then when we're done we retest the house we do the blower door test again so we measure the improvement and verify that the work was done properly we we'll do the thermal image scan again if there's anything missed obviously then we can address that then so by doing that initial test in and test out audit the utility company that has verification that the improvements were done. We as the trade ally handle the paperwork. So let's say we did attic insulation. We did, uh, you know, we, we foam sealed the, the basement bond, which is another, uh, improvement. And then we went around and air sealed recessed lights and caulked and air sealed the house too. So you get a rebate for attic insulation. You get a rebate for air sealing. You get a rebate for basement bond insulation. And then you'd also get a, they have these m- multiple measure bonuses, for example, for, I think for three or more measures, you get an additional 200 bucks. So, for a scope of work like that, you're going to get around $650 to $750 and a rebate back to you in the form of a check from the utility company. So from a uh, investor standpoint, this is a question we get a lot. You don't have to be, uh, so they'll, they'll write the check to whoever. They don't care. So they don't care. Yeah. So if you have a tenant in this home or let's say you're buying it, well, for example, let's say you have a tenant in the home and their name's on the gas bill. There's a reassignment form that can write it to the, to the uh, property owner. They don't care. They just, you know, they'll incentivize whoever is paying for the improvements. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So you can do it as a, a landlord. You can do it as a homeowner. You can do it, you know, just about as anybody, if you want to improve a property.
0: And that's something everybody can do now, right?
1: right. Yeah, it's available. You can go on our website. Uh, there's a rebate section for DTE and consumers. Um, and you can check out the rebates there. And then you can get, you know, there's, you know, there's, uh I'm trying to think some of the bigger rebates. For boiler, high efficiency boiler, there's like 1250 bucks you can get. High efficiency furnaces are at 400, windows up to 500 bucks, you know, water heaters, tankless and tank water heaters, any kind of insulation, wall insulation, crawl space, attic, you know, just for air sealing, there's rebates. So, just about anything you can do to the home, top to bottom, that'll make it more efficient, there's credits for. And again, that's a check. It's not a credit on your bill. It's not a tax credit. It doesn't come to you slowly over time through the utility company. You just get a check in the mail. You don't have to do any of the paperwork. We handle all the paperwork. You get a check in the mail
0: that's it damn it's the way to do it yep what do you think the future holds for green home energy well we're kind of at
1: like a transitionary point now because it's you know new constructions obviously back and, and um, In a big way right and so I've been working more on the new construction side doing stuff with my uh, dad on that side also have a you know this partner now on the commercial side so looking at a few different avenues and to be honest right now I'm looking for someone to help you know we're trying to find someone qualified because when you, you know, I built my business. So when people see green home and the people I've dealt with and, you know, the uh, uh, area I work in and they see this name, they think of me. So I don't want to find some putts to send into someone's house <laughs> and screw up not only the you know the company's reputation, but that's directly Yeah. Yeah. Right so, back to you. Yeah. So it's been, it's difficult to find someone that can, a has construction experience because a lot of times people with construction experience don't have, you know, aren't able to converse with people in a in a friendly and intelligent manner not, not not disparaging anybody in that industry but you know it's it's tough to find a balance where people can do sales but also you know they're not going to fall through someone's ceiling tiptoeing through an attic you know what i mean so yeah. that's where i'm at now is trying to trying to grow sustain this business where it's at now while also branching out into doing new construction and
0: commercial well who do you want to put out put out into the world you know i have like 200 people that listen to this now i don't who knows it'll be in the right. future. Yeah. Right? Well,
1: I mean, if anybody has, you know, and I guess construction experience
0: opportunity alert
1: is not a must. You know, we can train anybody, but if you have any sort of construction or sales experience, you know, we'd love to talk to you.
0: Because All right. Where can they reach you at? greenmyhomenow.com.com There's a contact us section. Um, Works very well. I used it last night. There you go. And I saw it. Yeah, it comes
1: right to my email. So yeah, you can contact us through our website.
0: Okay. That sounds like if somebody was interested and had some, that could be a great opportunity, right? Could,
1: I mean, because literally the way things are going with new construction, I mean, I find myself doing that more and more. Um, and the projects we're doing now in the green home side, um, we're we're starting to do fewer projects, but the projects we're doing are a lot larger and more complex um we're doing one in northville with this guy it's a long story this company came out he had molds they ripped off his roof sucked out his insulation put it all back except they did it all wrong
0: oh this guy. god it's, it's a big it's a
1: it's a big house the structure oh, the roof was in sound um he had water leaks they didn't remove some of the insulation they said they were going to so his just to give you an idea his attic is 3200 square feet holy
0: shit that's a big There's house. upper
1: lower his roof is super steep pitch so we're working with the roofer we're going to remove the roof again. Some of the areas and the vaulted ceilings are inaccessible. We're going to spray foam that. So we're going to be there for a week, you know? Jeez. So those types of projects. And there's the same thing in Bloomfield. This guy has this gorgeous home, huge house. It's like literally close to 11,000 square feet. He had all this ice damming because they put ductwork in his attic space. So the ice damming was so bad it damaged the drywall. So we're coming in, replacing drywall, ripping off. He needs a new roof again. So we're taking the roof off, spray foaming from the exterior. So those types of like, more complex projects are not that they're more fun, but it's a little more a little more um intellectually stimulating than coming in and just kind of blowing insulation in the attic, foaming the basement. Yeah, a little bit more challenging yeah, yeah, exactly. You
0: have to use some more of your knowledge. But before I move on, not everybody that's ice dam is I didn't even know what an ice dam was until I moved to fucking <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Somebody's in Arizona, like, ice dam, what's an ice dam? Yeah. So what is an ice dam and how does it happen? So you're if you have an so if in
1: the middle of the winter, if you have massive icicles on the front of your home. Uh, or you have water leaking inside the house in the middle of February, what's happening is your home is losing heat, that heat is escaping your house, it hits the roof deck, heats the roof deck, that snow on the roof deck melts, the water runs down, runs to the soffit or the overhang or the eave of the house, which you know is not over the home, that soffit hangs out over the home, so that soffit's a lot colder, so that water runs down, hits that soffit, refreezes, and then you start to see those icicles. But then what happens is, as water freezes, it actually takes up more space. You know that's why you know bottles explode in the freezer. So that water takes up more space and starts backing up. And water on your roof on shingles is supposed to run down and away. Water's not supposed to go back up. So that's what happens. The ice then backs up slowly up your shingle, and then once it passes up, you typically most homes have some sort like ice shield in the first two three feet. It'll keep backing up, backing up under the shingles, and then it gets to a certain point where there is no ice shield. Then that warmth from your home then melts that ice. And then it drops down into the house and, you, and it damages the um, uh, drywall inside. And you don't see it as much, but the last two winters that we had, not this past winter, but the two before bad such extreme, when you get just endless days of extreme cold, and that just keeps happening all winter and all winter. We saw, we have more calls for that type of water damage and ice damming than, you know, ever before. So, and with like this guy, he had that original issue Two, you know, we're fixing it because it happened two years ago because it's, I mean, it's a major pain. It's disruptive to his life. He's got to clear out, you know, there's a couple of rooms. You have to yank out drywall in these big vaulted ceilings. It's a big production. So it's not simple, but the fun, this is the funniest part is in, um, insurance companies will come out and fix your drywall and fix the roof, but they don't pay to fix the insulation.
0: That's so strange.
1: It's, well, because they're like, well, the insulation's not messed up, so we're just going to leave that. So then the next winter, it's just going to happen again. say, so you
0: to, want to do this again? Right.
1: Should, come on, insurance company. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. So a lot of times we'll talk to homeowners, and they'll get the free roof and the free drywall and be like, look, when they're doing that, let us come in and tighten things up in there. And then eliminates the problem from happening. Yeah.
0: You don't want to do this again, right? Right. The paperwork alone is right. reason yeah, enough not to do this again. Welcome to the hell of a Michigan <laughs> winter, too. You now know, like, ice dam it's a ice dam i remember when my one of my first rentals um got an ice dam it's like yeah the water's coming i'm like what the hell do you mean the water's coming yeah. like i had no idea right yeah. if you're not from someplace that gets cold and we were lucky this last winter but yeah the last two winters were just miserable yeah cold brutal, cold, brutal. Yeah. like a month of single digits to be honest it was
1: great for business yeah <laughs> so, it was because people were just I mean, their bills are. Well, they had this the problem before. People they
0: just didn't know about cold. it. Yeah. Yeah. So now they know. After like a, two consecutive weeks of walking inside your house with a robe, a hat, and slippers, they're ready to do something. It was cold. I was really glad I had wood heat. You know. Yes. Yeah. I could just throw some more, more wood, wood on. Ah, yeah, like, right. oh, it's nice and warm. Yeah. Screw you, DTE. Yeah. And yeah, I still have other bills. So one of my favorite things about your Facebook page. Is when you post pictures of the idiotic <laughs> <laughs> ways in which I don't just want to say builders because it's like rehabbers, investors, whoever did the work on the house. Yep. Um, these pictures are awesome. Like, what are some of the more memorable stories? Like you just talking about that eleven thousand square foot house. Some of them have been great. The ones you posted in yeah. the crawl spaces.
1: A lot of the times, some of the funniest stuff you see are the homeowner. Installs, they're freezing. So they go to Home Depot, they buy the wrong insulation, they install it backwards.
0: And they install it backwards. And it's total disaster.
1: <laughs> and so then they, and then when it doesn't work after that winter, the next winter, the problem is still there. Then you come in and like you open the door and you look, and you're like, oh my God. And then I, I, I've learned to ask in a nice way. Because a lot of time I would be like, what idiot put this in? And the guy would be like, well, me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I'm like, well, I didn't mean idiot. I meant uh, – yeah. No, I meant it. But yeah. I'm sorry yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. It. Yeah. So now when I see that, I'm kind of like try to be a little more polite about it. But um, that, a lot of those have just kind of – they use funny materials and it's done wrong. And it's literally making absolutely zero difference in the home. And they spent like 300 bucks at Home Depot. And, and like two weekends of their time. Yeah, to save money. Crawling around in insulation and mouse crap and you know, so it's not fun to do. Um I'm trying to think. You know, a lot of times you see um crawl spaces that are disasters. I got some yeah, dude, I don't know photos. how you do
0: that. I mean, you could not, I don't know if you pay me enough to crawl under that fucking it's, thing. It's there's some nasty ones and some of them are so
1: low. The access, like we'll have to, there'll be like a main trunk line for the heating and cooling. So we we'll have to dig, like literally dig to crawl underneath it. Oh my God. Yeah. So those are, those are gross. Um, and you see all sorts of nasty stuff. There was a guy in, uh, who's a repeat client. I did his home like five years ago. He moved to St. Clair shores or I, I should say, uh, right on Lake St. Clair. And he bought a home over an entire crawl space and the home inspector <laughs> didn't catch it. The floors are completely uninsulated. They, they, vented the crawl space so there's vents but they insulated all the walls with foam board this is we see this all time so you insulate the walls and then essentially, you then just open up all these vents, so the insulation is totally useless. That, they didn't yeah, the That floor. makes no sense. So they moved in, and then it was cold the first time this winter, and they're like, "Our house is freezing. We can't walk on the floors." Like their dog, they have this old dog, and they would the dog refused to walk and <laughs> bed to the stairs. I'm not just, so they had to carry. It's bad. The dog, dog won't even walk yeah. on it. That's cold. So stuff like that that just like is totally counterintuitive. And his he just bought it. He called his home inspector, pretty upset because they could. I would. Yeah.
0: What am I paying you for? Right. So stuff like that, it's
1: just, it, you just kind of open up the door or the attic hatch. You're like, what in the heck happened up here? You know, it's just gonna be bad news. And sometimes too, it's like this, a a lady hired her friend slash like neighbor, rented the equipment, the uh, insulation blowing equipment from Home Depot, blew in the attic full of insulation, but didn't know anything about the ventilation So I open up the attic space and it's literally, it's like a mini rainforest where they didn't didn't air seal anything. That's a nightmare. So she had a ton of can lights that are, you know, again, there's building pressure squeezing through the can light into the attic. And that air is humidified. You know, you get like a relative humidity of like 30, 40% or whatever. So it's humid air in your attic coming in contact with a freezing cold attic deck. So you get frost. So the entire, I stuck my head up there and this was like around 11 o'clock. So the sun was just hitting the attic deck. So half of it was all covered in frost. And then the sun hitting the attic deck was melting the frost, mm. and it's like literally raining in the attic space. That's a nightmare. Needless to say, it was like a complete petri dish, and there's mold everywhere. So it's like your well-meaning friend just cost you a lot of extra money.
0: That's that's a nightmare. That's literally the worst thing that could possibly happen. Yeah. Mold. Good lord. Yeah.
1: The the it's four-little word, right? Yeah. No state industry. Try getting rid of it yeah. too, well, right? Well, it's you know, so that's what we had to do is you come in, we had to suck. Everything out the remediation company actually did in that case, they blast the attic deck this whatever they use to to remediate the mold and spray that white stuff on it, you know, and then we had to come back and redo everything, so she paid for
0: it twice plus the mold remediation, <laughs> yeah, like three times probably right, so mold remediation is not cheap
1: that's my one I think my my biggest advice, and I'm not just saying this because we sell those kind of services call anybody, don't do it yourself, yeah, because unless you know what you're doing, you probably don't and you're going to do it wrong, and you're going to pay for it twice
0: yeah it's hard to know. It's just, there's so much to know. It's hard to know everything. If you're not going to take the time to educate yourself, probably worth hiring somebody. God, that must be a nightmare. Yeah. I may make a suggestion, a marketing suggestion. What's that? Dude, you should get a Snapchat account and an Instagram account, and you should do more videos. Yeah. Do more, because that's compelling stuff. stuff. Like I love the pictures, but... I think some of the videos would be awesome. Now, obviously, don't get the owner and don't get the right, address right. or anything like that because that shit could be embarrassing. Well, they you know, don't usually follow fault. me up in the attic, so when I'm up in the attic, I could uh, pull out the... Yeah, and you much. could just shoot the video and then edit it on your phone or, or do all that shit later because that, I think... People don't look in their attic. They don't think about it. They don't look in their crawl space. They just literally the don't land, think about it. The land it. the
1: time forgot up there. Yeah. I think
0: if you had 20 of those videos and you put together like a compilation video and put it on YouTube, yeah. and maybe made like a 14 15 second like cut an intro, put it on Snapchat and Instagram and click on the link in my bio to head back to That's and, and watch the whole yeah. you'd be like, "Really? Oh my god. They weren't even thinking about it before and right. and now they're thinking about it. And What's it's in my attic." Then they start thinking about it. Then they start paying attention to their energy bill. I don't know. That's a good idea. Plus, fun to watch, right? right? I could do the first video in your attic, maybe. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Be like, look at what this. If you ever get back out,
0: (laughs) you got me. I'm like, I haven't even looked. I need to go look. I'm terrified. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) Like, hmm, is it raining? It does. By the way, get extremely cold on the second floor. It would not surprise me if there was this house was built by morons. So it would not surprise me <laughs> if there was absolutely nothing. Well, so
1: we can take a look for you.
0: Is there anything? Uh, oh, books, books, podcasts, this section. Sorry, folks. I, I got a little ahead of myself there. That's I got right.
1: excited. Um, I'd say as far as like educational material. Yeah. yeah what I
0: things influenced you, helped you start your business? Do you have any success routines for the day? I think the, the biggest thing for me, and I think, I don't know if it's just me,
1: I don't think I technically would have like ADD or something, but I think in this modern day and age, managing your time, especially when, again, like you don't have a boss and like you're making it like your realtors, anybody that essentially like works for themselves. Time management for me is the hardest thing because, you know, I, in the typically I like to like make it, you know, I first thing in the morning, think about what you need to do, make a list, prioritize like one to 10 or however many things you got to do that day. And then try to block out a little bit of, you know, I'd say, okay, this task is going to take about an hour. So for this hour, I'm not going to do anything else. But then the phone rings and it's this guy that wants to do a massive project. You're like, oh, crap. So then you talk to him for 20 minutes and he asks you to send over some information. So you open your email and send that. And then like two hours later, you're about an hour behind your time schedule and you haven't gotten done what you want. Just that easy. Right. So yeah. that that to me, I think, you know, um, like strategies and – um Trying to think, it was uh, like Ultimate uh, Sales Machine or something. He had like good time blocking strategies. I think I read that a long time ago. And that's kind of where I got that. Prioritize and assign time values where you don't answer the phone, and that's the hardest thing to do sometimes.
0: Put your phone on silent or something. Yeah, airplane uh, mode. Don't ignore look at, it.
1: Don't look at the email. Just get the task done. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, as far as sales, I, I you know I did, and whether whether you like it or not, or you know, in some, I kind of took bits and pieces from it. But I did do a Sandler sales training course. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, so. absolutely. So some of it, they, they use this like uh, negative reversing and some of this crazy sales witchcraft, which some, I feel like for some people it works, some people it doesn't. That there's a lot of techniques in there that I took away that I use on a daily basis that I think really changed the way I sell, the way I prospect and the way like we'll do events, the way I try to bring people into like the sales funnel. You know, they had the Sandler submarine or whatever that take the people through the stages and they kind of flip it backwards where they talk about money first, which I feel like traditional selling you go through, you show them all the features and benefits in the end, you spring the price on them. When I've known the entire time it's going to be, let's say two to 4,000 and the whole time they're hoping it's going to be $800. So I've wasted my time. I've wasted their time.
0: And no one walks away with it. Dude, I agree with you completely. Get the price out in the first two minutes. Exactly. Well,
1: typically for me, it's we do an initial walkthrough before they sign up for an audit or anything. We walk through and the first, you know, because let's say you have a comfort issue, they have a general issue. They don't say, I need you to insulate this space in my attic. How much is that? They say, my house is uncomfortable. They don't know what the problem is. So typically it's a combination of a lot of things that they have no idea how to take care of. So they say, well, I'm like, you know, the next step would be to sign up for this audit. You know, you clearly lay out the path so there's no surprises, which is part of that program too. And then the question is, well, do you mind if we talk about money? How much is this going to cost to to fix? And so try to give them a bracket, because typically I can tell for the most part, barring any kind of surprise during the audit. But so to say, you know, typically a project like this is gonna cost somewhere between X and Y. And that way they're saying, Oh, well, they'd say, Well, I thought it was gonna cost 10 grand. Then you know, you know, if you say it's gonna cost five, and they say, Oh, it's gonna cost ten and you know you're in the clear, they have the budget, you're all set. But if you say it's going to cost five grand and they say, well, I have a $1,000, like, well, you know, and then we got a problem, you know. So t- I, that, because originally I feel like traditional sales a lot of time is we can insulate this and you give them all the information and then you write down a number and then you show it to them. And they're like, well, I don't have that much money.
0: Yeah. That was stupid. And you wasted a lot of time. Yeah. And you wasted their time more importantly, exactly. Too. So you're not going to get referrals and repeat business, if right. you're Wasting people's time. So being up, being upfront
1: with people, being okay to talk about money and budgets upfront, uh, that was a big thing that I took away. And then also like laying out clear next steps with people because no one likes to be surprised. You know,
0: I love this dude. Yeah, you're do you, totally speaking my language.
1: Well, just you know, when I meet with someone, or even on the phone before we come out and say, Okay, what we'll do is we'll do a walkthrough audit. And if you want, we can sign up for the comprehensive, which there is a fee for, it's based on square footage, you know. And then from there, we'll lay out the estimate, and then you can choose what you'd like to do, and then we'll come back and do a retest. And then you get your rebate check. You just kind of lay it all out so they know. Yeah, you know, well, you didn't tell me there's a retest, or you know, you know so you don't get any issues like that. But those are the two biggest things I, I took away from that sales training that really changed the biggest thing for me was the way I prospected. We do like um show like uh we'll do like the Birmingham Farmers Market, for example. It's a great Hell yeah, that prospect. that works. Yeah. I, I
0: met more millionaires
1: at, on a Sunday at the Brooklyn Empire, You have no idea. I'm dead serious. I believe you. So uh, you they're know, the
0: people who could afford to care about all that shit. Exactly. Right? And, yeah.
1: you know, they live in that area. And, you know, so
0: if you're poor, you don't have time to be worried yeah, about. Yeah, well, I make sure yeah. my vegetables from snow. Yeah, organic. Yeah. yeah you so. potato
1: chips. So um, and they're not doing the farming, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it the way we used to do it would be, you know, we would have people sign up for a raffle, say, you know, we had these energy efficiency kits with light bulbs. Something be like, sign up. And we'll pick a winner. And everyone would be a winner. I'd call them and say, we'll deliver the kit and give you a free inspection. That's genius, dude. Except that anyone will sign up for something for free. Yeah. So you spend your time spinning your wheels, driving around, delivering these kits, doing inspections. And out of like 10, you might get one comprehensive audit. Or let's say out of 10, you get like three audits and then one sale. So that's a big funnel. Where now what we'll do is tell people, we we'll just sign them up for, we'll say if they want to do a free inspection because they're not quite sure, but like the point of this inspection is to see if you're a good fit for an audit, which is going to cost you $350. You don't hide the money factor. Yeah. You put that up front so they know it. There's no surprise and they're mentally braced for it. Or you just try to sign them up and because once they put that money in and they're a little bit invested in the process- most people don't want to just pay to find out what's wrong. If they're paying to find out what's wrong, they're motivated to fix it. So those things really changed the way I kind of prospected and kind of brought people in. So that, that was a, that was a, uh, I feel a pretty worthwhile course that I took. Yeah. What was it called again? Uh, Sandler sales training, the guy, uh, it sounds good. I don't know if I can plug him on the. Absolutely. Yes, dude, guy, why yeah. not? Why do you think you're here? He was good. And he's like, it's funny because he's like a, they do this like negative reversing. Like for example, when you tell someone the price you're supposed to, put like a softening statement at the end. So you say, you know, this is going to cost $5,000, but it's probably more than you were thinking. Right. And then the person's like, Oh no, like, oh, it's not more than you were thinking. Oh, great. You know, so you were thinking more. That's great. You know what I mean? So you like without, you know, it, they, they have all these like techniques to do it, but he's like a guru master, this guy, Eric Meyer out of Troy. He's really good. So if you're looking for a I do course. something
0: very similar on the phone. I get the price out real quick, and here's why. Yeah. And I remember, my, I know you're expecting higher. And we were talking on the phone. I know you didn't mean to, but you didn't mention these things. So when I told you $20,000, I was expecting this. It's 15000 because I need to go through and I need to replace the windows. The windows are old. Right. And tenants are going to pay DTE before they pay me, which is why I can only pay you 15000 Is right. that something you're willing to consider? Okay. Yes. All right. I'll send the PA over. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love this guy.
1: So it's, uh, that was good. I'm trying to think of anything else.
0: I mean, as of right now, really, the- I know you do a lot of networking. We were talking about the networking, uh, you got your first people right from the yeah, yeah, uh, meeting. It was then you're part of that with the networking. Yeah.
1: Meeting? I do a, a weekly BNI meeting. Yeah. Uh, if people aren't familiar. It's a business networking international or business network international. And there's, ch- it's a, it's a group where there can only be one of each profession in the group. So there's only one guy that does what I do. There's only one realtor. There's only one plumber. There's only one, uh, you know, mortgage guy. And so the whole point is to meet weekly and you pass each other referrals and you drum up business for each other. Essentially their whole thing is like, it's like your sales team or something. Like if you're self-employed, you know, it's like your sales team, which, you know, it's, I've been doing it for a long time, like five years, six years. And for must work. Yeah. I mean, monthly dues are, I think 400 bucks or excuse me, annual dues, 400, 450 bucks. um, so one job for me and it's sold and I get, you know, put a decent amount of business out of it. And yeah. you know, at 7am on a Wednesday, I don't mind getting up. Yeah. To else to do. Yeah. So I'd sell Check, some stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Checking email. I'm not calling people at 7am. You know what I mean? No. So, um, so yeah, that's good. I mean, there's a lot like networking with realtors. We do a lot of, uh, um, real estate office presentations just like educational
0: presentations dude if stuff. you want i'll see if i can't get you have you gone done anything in the keller williams royal oak office because they typically charge to be a sponsor Keller Williams? they do yeah what the fuck at keller least williams. in my at least in
1: my experience there, i did. You know let me
0: talk to some people there i, mean, uh, I know
1: i mean are with jim schaefer right
0: no i'm with joe but joe, i work but in that same office I, right? I i talk to him every freaking day right, yeah right. so i can i could put a bug in his ear i
1: remember uh, most keller williams offices i remember you had to pay to be like an office sponsor no. And then you got like two presentations a year or something.
0: Okay, but, yeah. was it ridiculous to pay or no? Was it, it wasn't paying? that bad. It was Okay, that bad. do you want me to see if I can get you sure. in? Okay, of of fuck yeah, you know I'm down with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. man. that that'd be cool. So lots of networking. <laughs> Any other, other than, books, yeah. podcasts, movies? As
1: as of right now, I feel like the majority of my like educational time is trying to like absorb as much knowledge directly related to my industry. Uh-huh. So like I got my uh, lead green associate uh, certification. It's like the first step. I want to get my Lead AP at home. So that's like a pretty lengthy and expensive. It's kind of, kind of a racket, but um, so kind of studying to write that test probably in the next like month or so um, attending conferences, all that, all those types of things that are directly related that would make me an expert in my field is kind
0: of where I'm at, at this point. I like the expert expert in your field, knowledgeable. Well, you certainly are knowledgeable, sir. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. You sound knowledgeable. You are knowledgeable. Man, I had a good time. Thanks. I had a good time. Anything I didn't cover that you want covered? I'm going to plug you again on the way out. So,
1: Um, no, I mean, we're working at that. So, these two, that commercial business and the new construction, uh, we're my dad's company.
0: We're going to rebrand. So, we do it together. So, that's coming out soon. So, it's not quite launched yet. Hey, when you do that, send it to me and I'll update the show notes so people can, because people will be listening to this for years. Right. So, So yeah, that, that that stuff's coming
1: out soon. So, I can't quite plug it yet. But,
0: Yeah, I think we covered just about everything. Awesome, man. Had a good time. So did I. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I want to thank my guest, Mark, for his time today. And I would certainly like to encourage you to check out what he is working on. Go to greenmyhomenow.com, which has to be one of the best URLs ever. Look him on facebook.com, green-home-energy. Don't fall for that other fool. Hit him up at 855-GREEN-70. Or you can swing by his office, 7805 Cooley Lake Road, Suite 500, West Bloomfield, Michigan.
1: There's links to our social stuff, or social stuff on our website, too.
0: At the and I will go and grab all that stuff, too, and put it in the show notes. Probably not right away, but it'll be there eventually. And you can always click through to greenmyhomenow.com. Did you have to buy that? Or did you just oh, yeah? snatch it?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I bought it for whatever the menial price was, but that's all, that's, the, all the, anything green that's green related, URL. Is, it's impossible. Yeah, that's an awesome. Now, home yeah. now. I was like, green my home. And I was like, try green my home now. I was like, all right, that works.
0: Snatched it right away. What Wait a great URL, yeah. man. Yeah. And folks, if you don't have your URL or something like that, I don't know how many dot coms you think are left. It's kind of like a land grab. Yeah, you, Grab it, folks. If you can get a good URL like that, don't let it lapse. Keep it. If you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, share it with your friends, man. Give it a like. It's a free podcast, and all that sharing really does help. If you wouldn't mind, if you enjoy the podcast, um, maybe rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever app you use to listen to this podcast. It really does help and I really do appreciate it. If you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadetroitcom If you'd like to attend the local meetings or you're interested, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess and go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And yes, I'm on Snapchat now too. Look me up on Snapchat Jeremy. Burgess, and I'll put all these links in the show notes. And as I wrap up this podcast, you know it's coming. I want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. Every week I do this. I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. Maybe you're a fucking loser. You don't have to keep being one, right? Times now. Do something. Pick some goals. Stick with it. Work every day to advance your goals, even if it's just one thing. I don't care if it's how small it is be surprised how these things add up over the years. And I do want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I know you could be doing lots of other things. I really do appreciate your attention. And until the next podcast, crush it.